academia it's 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 a great thing academia is a great thing i love academia actually that's not true i don't like them at all the gs plumbing talk line is 1-800-905-0989 the common sense re- well let me try that again common sense retirement planning text line is 71307 Streaming live on the WORD Facebook page and podcasts available wherever you get your podcasts. And I've got three. Whatever I got, I got. Heard of Yaba Blay? I, I I can't believe you've never heard of Yaba Blay. You probably haven't though. She describes herself as one of the foremost thought leaders in fields like black racial identity, colorism, and beauty politics, which. Simply put, this is black cultural Marxism. And despite all of her scholarly pursuits, she has yielded zero intellectual gains. And all she has is supremacist views and hatred. And she's got a little video out where she's uh, talking. And she goes, in the video, she says, white people, your money will not assuage your way out of guilt. You cannot pay your way out of this. There are not enough reparations in the world. And U.S. soccer player Abby Wambach, who is Caucasian, nods along and says, that's awesome. She has a Venmo if you want to, do, uh, you know, contribute to her. She said, white people, I, I need you to know that your money will not assuage you from your guilt. Now, here's the problem. Uh, I don't know of any white people, and I don't know of any actually existing that I've never met, that actually owned any slaves. And it's not like American slavery is some unprecedented system deserving of unprecedented political action. We've already taken that. We've already done something about that. Slavery, though, has been around since the dawn of time. It's more prevalent today than it was when it was happening here. And every color person under the sun has been a slave including Caucasian, European women who were traded across the Arab-Muslim trade with a majority suffering as sexual chattel instead of laborers. So, here's the thing. I'm not going to grovel and willingly hand over my money to people like Blay who think I owe them the fruits of my labor and sacrifice simply because I have white skin. I'd had nothing to do with that. I had nothing to do with being born a Caucasian. This is a stupid idea. It's as stupid as demanding those with black skin pay for a system in which they had no part to compensate me, a white male of European descent for the tragic experiences of people long gone whose only relation to me is we happen to have like genetic characteristics. Now, the government already makes me pay. <laughs> All these tax dollars that they throw down, the throw, throw away, you know. And, uh, and whether it's the welfare system, largest in the world, or college tuition for affirmative action recipients, but now I'm Finally off the hook of all those massive taxpayer drains. So thank you, Miss Blay. No amount of money is good enough. So let's just stop forking over billions of dollars to try to assuage the victim mentalities of people like this.
She said that if you give her any money, she's going to spend your money and still tell you that you are racist. Now, if you were to do a little inner search, uh, internet, uh, inner search, an inner search, maestro, if you were to do an inner search Internet search, excuse me. If you did this, this would reveal that Blay is a first-generation American whose parents are from Ghana. Where? Where's that at? That's in, in Africa. It was once a British colony known as the Gold Coast, and they served as a major supply hub for the transatlantic slave trade, and they were the home of countless black slave traders. And probably Yaba Blay has some slave trade blood in her somewhere in her line of ancestry. So uh, when she gets out there and says, uh, white people, you cannot pay your way out of this, and this being the manufactured narrative of which white people are inherently oppressive because of our skin color, and we owe everybody else that isn't white something, what is it that you want? Now, in South Africa, we've heard this language before. In South Africa, they had the white experience of not being able to pay your way out of the problem. And it wasn't enough for the white people there to fund the government to make direct reparations payments to black residents. It wasn't enough to seize the land of the white farmers and redistribute it to the black non-farmers. Violence seemed to be enough, though. So, when I hear that kind of language out there, I'm, I'm especially from this person from a probable descendant of slave traders. I wish I had watched her video. This is one of the problems. I don't really use the, 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 uh, the uh, application formerly known as Twitter very much. I go there and I look sometimes, but normally it's on a, it's on a link for something that somebody else put up there. I don't get my news there or anything else. So when I go and I see something like this, most of the time it's after the fact. But I mean, no one would have know if she were out there doing this right now. I'd be like, "So you're from Ghana?" Now, what what are the odds if you're from Ghana, for example, if that meant that you never got traded? What 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 would what what would that say about your background? What would that say about your heritage? But that's fine. If if the, if that's not going to work, then why would we even pursue it? That's one of those admissions that most people would not normally make when they're a Marxist. Most of the time when they're a Marxist and they say, we're going to do this and it's not going to be enough anyway. We're, but we're still going to do this. Normally, this is going to cause an issue. Just in the, in the, in the mere execution of this. However... <clears throat> Here's the thing that I find most amusing about Yaba Blake. She describes herself as one of the foremost thought leaders. Now, what in the fresh hell does that mean? What is a thought leader? Is that like a guru? Is that, uh, you know, a, a therapist or, uh, you know. And on the text line, this is a very good point. Why are people of color pouring across the border if we're so racist? 
See, this is the competing narratives that go on. This is what happens when you we, when you have leftists in charge. We got two narratives going on. We must let all of these people of color in here to save them, and yet we're racist. So we should let them in and then pay them for coming or, or something. You know, I, I don't know exactly how this works. I, I really don't. But it's like all leftist things. They're not serious. They don't seriously believe what we're seeing. But thank you, Yaba Blay. <laughs> thank you for thank you for the admission because this means now that we can. Uh, thanks, gosh, you know I I've been sitting here all guilty and everything, wondering what's the amount of money we should pay Yaba Blay to make everything okay. And she said there is no amount of money. So okay, I got you. Coming up next, going to be joined by Dewey Lemons from Dewey's Pawn Shop. See what's going on there. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Oh, yes. 2A Tuesday. Indeed. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is... 71307. And if you got a question for him, you can ask him right now because joining me now from Dewey's Pawn Shop is Dewey Lemons. Good afternoon. Good, good morning. I never good get that morning. right. Good morning. I, I know, never get I that know right. You must get up real I, early, but it's not lunchtime yet. Yeah, I understand. And traders. Don't forget, don't forget traders on Wade Hampton Boulevard. Traders on Wade Hampton Boulevard. A very good gun store. You should go check them out. They got way more inventory than they've ever had before. And they are making some deals because I told them they need to move some inventory out. So, and they have a lot of ammo there, too. Everybody should be going there for the ammo. Lots of ammo. And we're getting a lot of reloading supplies, too. So, are are you hearing anything about ammo? Do you think there's going to be an ammo thing? I asked you this last week. I, I'm I've wondering had, if things I've had changed. several people say that they thought something was going to happen. There's going to be another ammo shortage but it hadn't you know it hadn't hit yet i've been i've been being able to get stuff that i need so far well that's good so what what when you when you think about a gun that is is out right what what's the what's the hunting season right now which which one are we in oh it's full middle of deer season the deer the deer are moving right now and people killing i had a friend of mine kill a big nice um i think it's a 10 pointer this um this yesterday in fact i think yesterday afternoon he killed a big old 10 pointer um, been seeing a lot of nice deer, so the this, this deer season's wide open right now. What's coming up next? What's what's later on as it gets cooler and everything? Uh, what, well, what, what? Um, let's see, duck duck season and rabbit season, and even I think quail season might even open up also. Yeah. Coming um, the first right around close to Thanksgiving. Sounds like a Bugs Bunny so, cartoon. So you got a lot of rabbit um, season and duck season. A lot of rabbit hunting, a lot of now, duck hunters. Most duck hunting is is that done on the water? That's way that's way it's portrayed. You do that on the water? You can do it on the water. In South Carolina, it's real big in the swamps. We got a lot of you know flooded timber and swamplands around here for um, for wood ducks. So a lot of people shoot wood ducks, you know, in the swamp or on the creek. You know, um, you can actually stand on the bank. You know, there's there's not it's not a lot of big big water hunting here in South Carolina. So I got some. Upper part state. So I, I got some questions for you. What brand is the 1911 advertised on your digital sign? Uh, the one that we have out there now is a Rock Island Armory. Very good gun. Very good. Very good beginner. Very solid platform. 
You know. Yep. The other ones we not had fancy, were, um, but, 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 but very solid. Yeah, we had the Tesis, and we we sold out of them. But now we just pulled out some more Rock Island Armories today, and and put a couple of them out. What's an option for ten millimeter that can handle two twenty grain buffalo bore round? Would that be like say the Glock twenty? Glock twenty could handle that. Oh yeah, I would think so. Sure. Yeah, but I mean now Smith and Wesson has a ten millimeter, and I think they make the P three twenty in a ten millimeter. So, and FN has a ten millimeter, don't they? That's correct. Yep. Everybody's and they all could probably the handle that. 10 millimeter is uh, awesome round. This, everybody's getting in on that bandwagon. This one, I, I don't even know where we would begin with this one. What's the general price of a 1943-1911 A1 no rework markings? I mean, if you got one of those, would you stick that in a museum or something? Yeah, that's a nice one. It is a Colt. It, it's just the general price of a 1943-1911 A1. He doesn't give me a brand. So it doesn't set a brand. Well, you know, brand has a lot to do with it on some of those things. But um, yeah, well, in the forties, everybody they contracted. I mean, uh, everybody made a nineteen eleven during World War Two. There were a bunch. Yep. There, there were I, bunch. I mean, I, the one I carried when I was in Europe was an Ithaca. Yeah, yeah. Ithaca, Ithaca made good ones. They made a lot. I'm all, you know. I see now, more Ithacas than I do Colts, to be yeah, honest with you. This guy, this guy is saying this is a 1943 Colt 1911 okay. A1. Okay, that makes a big difference right there. The Colt, um, they sell better, more demand. Um, the last one I had like that brought $1,900. Wow. They want to they, they want to know if you have the magazines or the clips for the Savage Rifle, 22 Savage Rifle. Uh, I don't know. They made a lot of different Savage, different variations. If it's, um, no, I don't know. I can't tell you until I know exactly what model is and we'd have to go look. Yep. But we did get a bunch more of them HK 416s in. Well, I say a bunch more. We had three more come in. So I know now, last week, last week we said we had them and we actually, we actually sold the last one while I was in here talking. And now, how much is an HK four sixteen? What where does it go at? What, what's they're the price? In, uh, of it? I think they're like five twenty nine. Five hundred twenty nine dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's the two two. It's a not a two two three. It's twenty two long rifle. Oh, well, what about the two two three? Oh, H and K two two threes are man, they're three thousand dollars. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say if you had three of those and you sold those right off the bat, I was about to go. Listen, I got four over here that I like to trade with you. For the yeah, for one of yeah, those, the, I've got an H and K two two three AR out there, but it's a it's a limited special run. It was made just for the United States Army shooting team at Fort Benning, Georgia. There were only five hundred made. Um, it's a very limited production gun, but now I've got one of them sitting on a rack out there. It's a pretty awesome gun. Yeah, have you ever gotten a Savage seven twenty and sixteen gauge? Uh, I've had Savages in every gauge ever made but now that saying i got one now is probably no no but um we do have a lot of, i had a man in a while ago looking for a 16 gauge double barrel i got a a lot of lc smiths um got a connecticut shotgun in 16 gauge double barrel some some really nice double barrels out there in 16 gauge right now but, um, well i mean one thing i was going to say that you have a a very huge selection as far as type and name brand when it comes to just about any gun you got out there don't you yep we got a bunch of them we sure do i got lc L. smiths sterling worth fox connecticut shotgun i got a lot of, and those are all just 16 gauges i got them in 12 and other gauges also 
but um, what's, what's what how, how, where, where are you at on shotguns right now okay uh now i've gotten two more do, do you have a clip for a german nine millimeter walther very small hand handgun i guess a magazine probably before. not what is a cobra m11 380 open bolt worth uh, that's like little mac 10 right the last Cobra open bolt we had brought $1,500. Wow. That makes it worth 10 times more if it's an open bolt. If it's open bolt. Do you have a Kunin 357 Magnum 1911? Nope. I have ah. a Kunin 45 out there. That's the last Kunin we got. It's a 45 1911. Have you ever shot? Pretty cool. I had one customer that shot his so much that it started shooting 38 specials pretty easy also. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, he shot 38 um, supers out of it. Out of a 357 Magnum, they didn't. He didn't all same no, magazines. Well, I can't now. Now you got me confused. Now I think he shot 38 specials. That they would come when you bought those things. You could get a conversion kit with an, a, a lighter spring, and um, put it in there so it would shoot 38 specials. But he shot his so much that with the same spring, he'd shoot 38 specials and 357 Mag out of it. I'm being asked, uh, when I took my concealed carry class two years ago, the guy doing the class said it's better to have a revolver. Do you agree with that? Uh, just better for what? I mean, a revolver's better in some situations, and automatic might be better in some situations. You know, it depends you on, I mean, you got to get the gun. When you get the permit, you got to go practice. That's a simple fact yep. of the matter. And if you don't practice, probably a revolver is a pretty good thing. And Dewey, yeah. you've got a lot of revolvers. You've got a lot of little carry-out, carry revolvers. We've got a lot of revolvers. Yes, sir, we do. Do you have any two-and-a-half uh, 16-gauge shotgun shells? Uh, I did. I don't know if we still have any now. A couple weeks Probably got them at Traders some. if you don't have them there, right? No, they won't have any two-and-a-halves over there. We do more with the old stuff over here than what they do. But, yeah, I, I, I had some a couple weeks ago. I don't know if we still have them or not. If he if he doesn't have it, most of the time that's something you can get, though, right? Mm-hmm. No, that, no, those are hard to come by. Really? Okay. Yeah, two okay. and a half inch shot, sixteen gauge shells are hard to come by. Well, I can't imagine who anybody that could get it before you could. Yeah, we can we can find it sooner or later. In most cases. In most cases. But uh, but yeah, we right now. Right what now, about man, black rifles? How are you doing on the black rifles? Or, or is that is that going I, down or? Nah, they're slowing down, but we we still got a bunch of them. I was going through them this morning. It's what I've been doing. Sorting through inventory. Everybody to out there, I'm telling you, you, you you don't want to believe this, but you need to go get a black rifle. You need to go get one because we got things inside in the interior of the United States, and you're not going to be able to deal with it unless you have a black rifle. And Dewey's is a place to go, but just simply because of his selection and his prices. You probably don't have the $349 one, though, do you? No, I don't have any more of those left. Oh well, but but we're working on it. Ah. We're still we're still getting more and more in, and we're we're putting them out fast as we can, fast as we can get them cleaned up and put them out. Of anything you know, anything I buy off the streets, you know, I got a whole seven days. But as soon as that seven days is up, we we clean them up and put them out. There you go. Actually, we ain't even been cleaning them. We just been putting them right out. Somebody's saying but, they would like to have a Remington seven hundred. I got lots of Remington seven hundreds. Go get them. God, Are you going to go out for Halloween tonight? I guess no, sir. So. I have to stay here and work. I got too much. I'm too far behind. I understand. Dewey took a little bit of time off. I called him the other day, and he was out shooting somebody, shooting something with somebody else. So uh, he's been off, and now he's got to get back and get caught up. Listen, as always, thank you very much for joining us today. Hey, glad you let let 
glad to talk to you and glad you let me on here this time. I had a hard time getting in this morning. Well, we're going to fix that too. We'll, we'll we'll get that fixed. Yeah, we got the same. We you can't get nobody to fix anything nowadays. Our phones have been messed up <laughs> for three months. Very good. Take care. Have yes, a good sir. One. Come see us. Listen, and when we get back, if you, if you don't want to have the, the feds meddling with you, maybe you stop taking their money, huh? This is News Talk ninety eight nine W O R D. Funky. GS Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Some of you on the text line today, you are uh, you are interesting. You are definitely interesting. <laughs> uh, and, uh, well, I, I, I mean, you'd be entertaining except for the fact that you're just speaking a bunch of gibberish. So I move on. You ever had one of those uh, bosses that tell you if you don't like the way it's going, hit the road, don't take the check, don't work here? Well, that's actually good advice if you're going to complain about something. And some states have rediscovered this, that axiom regarding their relationship with Washington. And their willingness to refuse Washington's checks as uh, the checks coming from them has prompted the latest round of media pearl clutching now understand whenever the whenever the feds send money to the states that's money that came from the states the federal government has no funding mechanism beyond taxation that's it they don't produce a product all the services that they quote produce are based upon taxation and now you got states acting in ways they should have been a long ago and uh, conservatives have finally come to realize that the federal government's dollars come with strings attached. Questioning the use of federal do dollars serves to reduce the influence of Washington and that permanent deep administrative state residing in the nation's capital. And when they refuse that money, then the, the, the affairs of the state and the lives of their citizens are, is actually very enhanced. So... Coming out of Tennessee, there's a recent AP story analyzing the uh, willingness to reject federal funding for HIV prevention and family planning. They rejected the funds because they would likely go to the organizations like Planned Parenthood that provide or refer for abortion. They've also discussed foregoing federal education dollars due to Washington's policies on parental rights and related issues. What the government does with this is that they get out there and... Uh, they create plausible deniability because they're out there saying, well, you know, Tennessee's doing this. They send the money that is earmarked for Planned Parenthood to Tennessee, and it's got to go to Planned Parenthood. So they just said, you know what? Since we don't get to use it, we got to give it away. We're just not going to take it. The Republican Speaker of the State House, Cameron Sexton, said, we should do everything we can to be whole and autonomous and independent from the federal government. And when you take federal government money, their philosophies and they want, what they want you to do is different than probably what the state wants to do. So, this is basically he who has the gold makes the rules. Now, 
if the red state lawmakers out there, like Sexton, don't enjoy being bossed around by the feds, that don't share the same philosophy, uh, you know, same priority, the same agenda, and, and they shouldn't, then they shouldn't even consider taking federal money because it comes with strings attached. Now, declining federal funds is unthinkable <laughs> and unforgivable. That's a sin in the minds of many leftists. And they quote State Senator Ramish Akbari, Democrat, of course, from Memphis. I think this trend in declining federal funds really is alarming. She said a big portion of our government and our budget rely on federal funds. Now, that would only appear alarming to someone who wants a large role for government or a state government that falls all of Washington's commands, which, if that's going to be the case, why have a state government at all? But this is what Akbari wants. We shouldn't accept federal dollars because we don't agree with certain policies. That's taking things a little too far. It's not fiscally responsible. Well, aren't you the guys always sort of, uh, don't you sort of get out there and, and, and scold us about morals and principles and all this other stuff? And come, a fiscal responsibility lecture coming from a Democrat, uh, you know, this Democratic lawmaker wants to link Tennessee's state budget to a federal government that holds $33 trillion in debt. And they had a $2 trillion budget deficit over the past year. So, to a small government conservative, reducing a state's reliance on those funds represents a feature. It's not a bug. Then they decided to go after a, a skeptical uh, tone, so they got Professor Thomas Kahn. You're seeing a much more conservative trend in this country that's, where there's more hostility toward the federal funding on anything it proposes. It's a trend that's getting worse. No, this is, you know... They got out there with one of their things. They decided they wanted to get everybody needs a red flag law. So they were going to bribe the states to create red flag laws. Now, all the states that want them have them. And all the states that don't want them can't be bribed. But this is a federal policy that they were going to pay the states to implement. What's the point of having a state government? State lawmakers are beginning to understand the threat that Washington's administrative state poses. And it's a threat against their own values and beliefs and their, and their agenda, the reason they got elected to office in the first place. You've got a bureaucracy that's permanently entrenched, and it stays there year in and year out, despite the president's political affiliation. So they should never let things get to the point where their dependence on the federal government for funding jeopardizes their political belief structure. So all you got to do is say no. Just say no. Maybe they would actually have a surplus if we stopped turning down all this money. You know, on the one hand, as I look at Israel, I see one thing. But on the other hand, I look here internally in the United States and I see another thing going on altogether. And I'm going to tell you what that is. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD.
Let's just enjoy this for a second. Just a second. I enjoy that. I'll have to go get that cut myself. The GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Uh, I saw this the other day. A, a, a guy, the dean at Berkeley Law School, Erwin Chemerinsky, he said nothing has prepared him for the prevalence of anti-Semitism on campus, campus there where he, he's a, a teacher. He's a dean. And, uh, okay, you're, you're sort of like that guy, that Cooperman guy that just discovered that Columbia is anti-Semitic after all these years of being this way. Because in Berkeley, they had Jew-free zones. They had 11 student groups that promised to exclude any Zionist speakers on campus. Those Jewish students that didn't feel welcome on campus, what about them? How about... Last month's appearance of a communist PLO-loving progressive heroine, Angela Davis, who once argued that Jewish prisoners of conscience in the Soviet Union got what they deserved. So, in a recent Wall Street Journal piece, Stephen Davidoff-Solomon, a law professor at Berkeley, is saying not to hire his own students because they've become a clique who advocate hate and practice discrimination. This didn't start yesterday. This is not new. This isn't some new thing. Cheraminsky is now traumatized that there's some Jew-hating Berkeley student asked him to get rid of the Zionists so she could feel safe. He's unhappy he's been accused of participating in a Zionist conspiracy. And after 70 years of supernatural cluelessness, the dean of a prestigious law school has figured out that Zionist is a code word. A year ago, he was asking people not to generalize about BDS on campus, arguing that it is nonsense and false narratives to claim that anti-Semitism was a problem on campuses. He said, I have seen little anti-Semitism among our fa faculty, staff, and students at Berkeley Law or on the campus. So they were wishing it away. And the Soviet concocted 20th century iteration, anti-Zionism. But the detestation of Donald Trump didn't change the fact that bigoted ideas about Jews are inherent in modern progressivism. And it will spread as they turn harder left. It's not happening in a vacuum. And for the Jewish population here, those of you who have voted, always voted Democrat, you understand that this is what, this is what you voted for, right? You had the Women's March, the leading progressive activism group of the Trump years. That was founded by a Google of Louis Farrakhan boosters and led by board members who were spreading blood libels and conspiracy theories. Black Lives Matter was involved in that. They, 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 they accused Jewish people of being complicit in the genocide taking place against the Palestinian people. And yet... You've got 600-plus Jewish organizations and synagogues supporting Black Lives Matter. 
Now you've got them. BLM is openly praising paragliders who rape, disembowel pregnant women, murder civilians. That's all true. That's all true. Every election, you got the squad adding members. And each year, Democrats coddle these people who sound like they're quoting the protocols of the elders of Zion for fear of being called Islamophobic or racist. And you got 400 congressional staffers that allegedly signed a pro-Hamas statement. That's what the ceasefire position is, so the squad has allies. Even Jonathan Greenblatt of the Anti-Defamation League, which is a partisan group that spent years highlighting every dog whistle, while ignoring or actively diminishing the rise of anti-Semitism on the left, they felt compelled to ask MSNBC, the leading left-wing cable network, who is writing the scripts, Hamas? No, they're not writing the scripts. They're too busy right now, but their allies are writing the scripts. MSNBC is where propagandists from the gutter state-run theocratic network Al Jazeera go to work. So, uh, but I, I gotta, I got I gotta say this to you as, as my fellow Americans, um, you voted for this. This is what you wanted. You need to change your mind. You need to, you need to make a change sooner right now, soon, better sooner than later. I'm telling you. Talk to you again in about 22 hours. Happy Halloween to you. Stay safe. I hope it doesn't rain on you. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.